Make it rain, make it rain, baby. Just let it rain. What's going on? I hope everyone's having an awesome week. We're back with another episode, and I know there's some happy people out there because some of you have gotten some of that Trump money hitting your bank account. And so I wanted to spend a little bit of time talking from the scriptures about what to do with our finances, with our money. So I hope you'll stick with us and enjoy this conversation. Hey guys, and welcome to another exciting episode of Your Life, God's Word. Thanks for joining this time of relevant conversation and scriptural application, where we apply God's Word to the most important areas of life, God, family, and community. We pray this broadcast inspires, encourages, challenges, and blesses you in every way. So without further ado, let's dive right in to this week's episode. So I know a lot of folks are getting those uh, those checks coming in. Well, I guess they're not really checks coming in. Most people are getting uh, direct deposits into their bank accounts, be it in the form of loans for small businesses or just straight up stimulus money. Well, you know what, in a different episode, or maybe just in private or in person, we can talk about, uh, you know, <laughs> what, should, what are we doing to get this money? Should we really be getting this money? But you know what, we are getting this money. And frankly, my personal opinion on uh, on this stuff, I usually am not real big on government handouts and things of that nature, because listen, folks, you got to pay the piper. Nothing is free. And when you get free money, you can be assured you're going to be paying for that in some way, shape, or form. But in in my assessment and looking at it, when the government comes in and shuts down your business or puts you out of work or, you know, basically gets you laid off, um, and it's the government's decision, the government did that to you, and then the government says, well, we're going to compensate you a little bit for this. I mean, hey, in, in my opinion... This is not something for nothing. They're the ones that caused the problem. So, hey, yeah, why not get a little something out of it? Because you bet your bottom dollar, (laughs) pun definitely intended, pun definitely intended. Uh, you You can bet, you can take it to the bank, my friend, that those of us that are actually paying taxes... Uh, look, we're, we're paying for this anyway, all right? It's not free. Taxpayers are paying for it. Maybe your kids, your grandkids, your great-grandkids um, are going to be paying for this. Um, so, hey, why not um, benefit from it? Because you're going to be paying for it if you refuse the money. Well, you're going to be paying for it anyway. They're not going to tell you, oh, well, you didn't take the money. Great. You know what? We're going to lower your tax rate in the future. Um, I, one One interesting thing, though, maybe I should throw this out there. One one thing I wonder about, all the, all the people that are like, not my president, not that kind of thing. Are you going to cash that check? Are you going to accept that direct deposit in the bank? Because, you know, it's coming from, from you know, President Trump. So, you know, people are going to say, no, it's not. It's coming from Congress. Well, I mean, he's the one that really spearheaded a lot of this, and he, he definitely had to be on board with it. So, uh, I just kind of wonder, hmm, I'm going to go out there on a limb and say there's going to be very few... <coughs> zero people that say you know what i'm not going to take this money because it came from it came from the evil dr trump anyway 
That's not my point here. My point here is coming out of the book of Proverbs chapter 3. Because you know what? We're going to be getting this money. Maybe you don't have it already. Maybe you're going to get it, get one of those uh, small business loans, which if it's used wisely, done properly, uh, you know, will we'll eventually, it looks like, just get converted into a grant. And so it's not really a loan. It's a loan that unless you do certain things with the money, you don't actually have to pay it back. But let's let's look at something here. Let's let's pull back and the scriptures teach us to use wisdom. The treat the, the scriptures clearly point out wisdom as something to hold out there and, and and put in high esteem. I know, I know, I know. In our today in our in our in our today's in today's society, in our society, um, much of the time we we poo-poo wisdom. We really put a big premium on knowledge. Like somebody just knows facts. They can spout out stuff. They seem really intelligent. Um, we really put people like that up on a pedestal, but it's really wisdom is where it's at. Because you can have lots of lots of facts and intelligence, but unless you know the proper way to use that intelligence, the proper way to use those facts, really it doesn't do you a whole lot of good because you you want to be able to know what to do with the facts. So for instance, science can tell you uh, certain things and we talk about it um, off and on on this program. Why not throw it in here right? Science can tell you that there's for a, for an unborn baby, there's a heartbeat at this point in time. There are brain waves at this point in time. We know that with, within that second trimester that babies are born, you know, 22, 24, 26 weeks, and they survive, and, you know, they're born premature. Um, there's organizations out there like the March of Dimes and, and things that will help with that and do research in this. We know this. Science can show all of this. Science doesn't say anything about whether it's, okay or not okay to kill that baby. Let's just take second trimester for a minute. Science says nothing about that. Science is just facts. Here it is. Here's the science. A baby can be born at, you know, 24 weeks and it can survive. Absolutely. Outside of the womb. Okay. Now, wisdom, wisdom will tell you, wait just a minute. We should not be killing a person. <laughs> right? That's murder. Okay, what kind of society wants to wants to prop up and, and do murder? However, right, there's a lot of unwise people out there who are both propagating this and voting for those people who propagate this. So you see the difference between knowledge and wisdom. There's knowledge, but you got to use knowledge correctly, and that is what wisdom is. I like that definition of wisdom. It is knowledge put to proper use. Check this out by... Uh, by Charles Spurgeon. Uh, Charles Spurgeon, a lot of just incredible wisdom this, that came from this man. Um, but Charles Spurgeon put it this way, if so, if I could quote him, wisdom is the right use of knowledge. To know is not to be wise. Many men know a great deal and are all the greater fools for it. There is no fool so great a fool as a knowing fool. But to know how to use knowledge is to have wisdom. So he basically just said everything that I said, but of course, it's been Spurgeonized. Charles Spurgeon is the man. Um, you, you have to understand, once again, that you can know a lot and still be a straight-up fool. 
that doesn't mean you're not smart. And, and I think a lot of times we, I think a lot of times, again, we, we lump these in our society today, we lump these in in. And so, you know, we can take, uh, you know, an older person, you know, grandpa over there, he has lots of wisdom, but he doesn't, you know, he's not real good at, at, at figuring out how the, you know, the latest iteration of the iPhone works. And so we think, ah, you know, grandpa, like, what do you know? No, actually, he just doesn't have that knowledge. But in fact, he might be extremely wise, possibly knowing that you shouldn't be improperly using that cell phone in different ways that are going to end up making you hate your life for two decades, <laughs> you know, like doing bad stuff on there. Um, but again, that's um, that's just our society. But I, I want to talk about some wisdom. And where do we go to find wisdom? I think the Bible has a lot, a lot of great wisdom within it. And the beautiful thing about Scripture is that Scripture speaks on many different uh, topics and facets other than just spiritual things, because we are not just spiritual beings. So, Proverbs chapter 3 is where I'm going to go. Proverbs 3, and I'm going to read verses 9 and 10. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing, and your vats will brim over with new wine. Now, I know what you're thinking. This is a pa- this is classic, right? This is a pastor, you know, at a church, talking about people getting money. There's windfall here. There's people getting money, and he's going to start, you know, he's going to start preaching about tithe and offering. <laughs> Wrong! That's not happening today. Um, there is a, I mean, again, there, nothing against tithe and offering. The Bible speaks very highly of, of these things. And uh, we find both in the Old and New Testament that the, the early church and the people of Israel in the Old Testament, they were uh, expected to be giving people. They were expected to be givers. But that is not at all what I'm going to be talking about. I want to actually impart some wisdom to people. Uh, check this out. Proverbs 12.15. Proverbs 12.15. The way of a fool seems right to him, but a wise man listens to advice, right? Every fool out there thinks they know what they're doing, and we watch them crash and burn on a daily basis. A wise person realizes, I don't know what I'm doing, okay? There are times where you just don't know, and even when you do, it doesn't mean you can't learn and listen and get ways that might be better, might might tweak that just a little. Yeah, you're doing it right, but guess what? There's a better way, or there's a way that's just as good and more efficient, or whatever it might be. When we are wise, we don't have a fear of learning, growing, developing. It's when you're a fool that you have you have this innate like I know everything. Don't don't tell me. Don't talk to me about that. I know you know you're 25 years old and you got everything in life figured out. You're crazy. You're 40 years old. I'm not quite 40 yet, and and you got all life figured out. You know everything about raising kids, grandkids, finances. You know y- you don't. Okay. Uh, you're 70 years old, and you have nothing left to learn. Well, you might as well just fall over and die. I mean, what, you're, <laughs> what, what, what else is there for you? No, we can always learn, grow, and develop. And I am going to be that guy that gives you some unsolicited advice. But guess what? I'm not going to send you a bill afterwards. So first, a little bit of a house cleaning here. Um, let's get something off the table right now, okay? 1 Timothy 6.10. 
for the love of money is the root or a root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money. Well, I like that. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. Nowhere in the Bible does the Bible say. Nowhere in the Bible does the Bible say. <laughs> I need to slow down here. Nowhere in Scripture will you find that money is evil. Money is e- how is money evil? Money is just a thing. Okay, bricks are not evil. Cars are not evil. Sorry, uh, all y'all tree huggers out there. Uh, cars are not evil. Okay. <laughs> we can get into the science of emissions and what what should happen with that, but the car—it's it's, not—it's not an evil. It just is. Okay, a, a, a firearm is not evil. Firearms can help protect people. They can help win wars for the good side. They can help win wars for the bad side. The gun literally does not care. Okay, so here's what we need to understand: money is the same. It is amoral. Okay. The word moral with an A in front of it, um, it's amoral or amoral. Um, Meaning it's not good or bad, it just is, okay? So the Bible says in Proverbs 10.22, talking about Proverbs again, lots of Proverbs I think in this uh, this study today, the blessing of the Lord makes a person rich and he adds no sorrow with it. See, the blessings of the Lord make rich. And he adds no sorrow with it. So again, the the Bible is not against people even being rich, wealthy. Absolutely not. The, the, the issue, right, in Timothy, for instance, remember that was 1 Timothy 6.10, some people eager for money, right, here's their problem, have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. Why? Because, you know, their time and energy was too much on the money and the job and, 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 and accumulating wealth and, oh, if I could just work this extra job, oh, yeah, 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 10 years from now, I'll get back to that spiritual stuff. And then they don't. They wander away from the faith. Doesn't mean that it doesn't mean they stop saying, I love Jesus, or they, they take the bumper sticker off their car, WWJD. Doesn't mean they don't sit there behind on a, on a pew or, or a seat on Sunday, but they've wandered away from Jesus. Okay? They're too busy making money and getting rich and building wealth to have time, to have space for God in their lives in a real way. So that's the problem. It's the love of money. You love money is the problem. Money is not the problem. Why? The Bible clearly shows the Lord can make you rich, but he doesn't add sorrow with it. So is your money causing you sorrow? Is your money causing you problems and pain? Is it really just... It, it's more of an issue. It's causing strife in your family for you to work those extra hours, for you to have that that job. It pays well, but it's taking you away from your family all the time. I'm here to tell you, if it's causing you pain and agony and, and, and issues in your marriage, issues in your family, issues, issues in uh, you know your walk with God, that is probably not of God. Maybe it is, but you've you've taken it into a path that was not of God. Okay, so you need to, it's time to step back and 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 figure out what's going on. What is the key thing? The key thing is who controls whom. Who controls whom? Okay, check this out. Matthew six. I'm gonna read verses twenty one and twenty four. You can go read the whole thing yourself. You read all of Matthew six. Great chapter. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. No one, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve 
both God and money. And yet many people think they can. Many people think, oh yeah, I can be over here and just putting God way on the back of the back of the back burner. I've got like 17 rows of burners and he's like literally on the 17th one back there somewhere just sort of simmering. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's, that's how some people do. And we just can't, and again, I have a secular job. I work a job. I get it. I'm bivocational, okay? I do a ton of stuff with the church and and, and still have a regular job, okay? So I understand. I, I, I get it. Get out there. Make that money. Nothing wrong with that. In fact, make as much as you can. Praise God. Be rich. Be a millionaire. Be a billionaire. I mean, the kingdom of God can use some billionaires writing some checks and making things happen for Jesus. That's great. Let's do it. But the question is, again, where who is controlling whom? James Frick said this, don't tell me where your priorities are. Show me where you spend your money, and I'll tell you what they are. <laughs> I love that, right? Like, oh, yeah, you know, I'm all about this, that, and the other. Well, let me see where you're spending your money. Show me your pocketbook. Show me your bank statement. Don't even worry about it. I'll tell you what's important to you. I can tell you whether Red Lobster and Netflix and vacationing and, you know, everything else is more important to you than God. Because if we're given God 10%, but we're given commercialized, you know, corporate America 80%, I mean, do, do we really, I mean, are we really like, oh yeah, I'm putting God first in my life. Just because you write the first check to him doesn't necessarily mean that's he's first in your life. Okay, money is a tool, okay? God is not concerned with whether you have money as much as whether money has you. I'm going to say that again. God is not so much concerned whether you have money. He wants to know whether money has you. And if money has us, that's where the problem lies. Psalm 62:10, though your riches increase, do not set your heart on them. Again, don't start to love that money. Don't start to crave it. Don't start to get to that point where it's that num- it starts to hold that number one place in your life, or two, or three, or four, right? We should have, obviously, God first on a separate sheet of paper. Here's, my, here's God, and then the other paper has all of our priorities, right? And on that paper, money should not be on the top, right? We should have things like, like family, right? <laughs> things like that that are maybe our ministry is more important than all the money that we're making. I mean, maybe money is your ministry. I definitely think that's possible. You can, it's a workplace uh, type of ministry and your ministry is on the job working um, so that you are reaching people there and you're funding the kingdom of God. So they can definitely overlap. But, you know, again, right, family should be above your ministry. Your ministry should not be above your family. You should not be, you know, worried so much about your preaching engagements that your your wife and your kids are, are paying the price. We don't sacrifice our family on the altar of our ministry. Good Lord, people do that, but then I promise you, they regret it later. So same thing with money. Money can definitely be um, on the priority list and even high up there, but there are certain things that absolutely should be far and away above money. Because I'll tell you this, with children, I have uh, children myself, they're young, but I can tell you this, I promise you, they are more concerned with the time they spend with you than the stuff you buy for them. I, that, you can take that to the bank, my friend. They are far more concerned with the time they spend with you the love and the attention that they have with you, you have on them, than the junk that you buy them. 
So don't try to buy your kids off your buy their affection with money. You get in there and spend time with them. Show them that love. Show them you love them. Don't try to bribe them. So what does the scripture have to say? There's three things I want to go through here uh, as, as it relates to money. Remember, who controls whom? Do you control your money, or is your money really controlling you? And when I say your money, I can also mean your bills, because if you go out there and you get so much debt that you have to work three jobs, otherwise you're going under, friend, you are in a heap of trouble. And the Bible actually has some things to say about that. We'll get into that toward the end. Hard work is essential. Check this out. Here, why don't I just give you the three things, okay? Number one, we need to be hard workers, and we need to earn that money. Okay? Number two, we need to use wisdom, wisdom with our money. And number three, God wants us to have financial freedom. So, Let's go to number one, hard work and money. The one who is unwilling to work shall not eat. Second, Second Thessalonians, I cannot talk today. Second Thessalonians 3.10. The one who is unwilling to work shall not eat. What does that not say? It doesn't say you've been disabled by a car crash, okay? It doesn't say you're out there every day, you know, eight hours a day trying to find a job legit, like you're really trying. Not, well, you know, it's not paying enough. Well, it's not. I mean, you don't have any money coming in? Take the first thing, man, and then keep looking. I mean, what's what's the deal with that? But you're unwilling to work. This is famous, right? Uh, Was John Smith, Jamestown, like, the one who doesn't work won't eat, right? Well, he was just quoting scripture, okay? He was just quoting scripture. The Bible says you shouldn't eat. Translation, if you don't want to work, you should just starve. Problem is, if you're the breadwinner at the, in the home, your kid's going to starve too. So, you know, you need to be working. So we need to get out there. We need to work hard. Uh, anyone who does not provide for their relatives and especially for their own household has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever, 1 Timothy 5.8. Ouch. You don't provide for those of your household. You don't provide for your 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 own. You've denied the faith. Oh, I love Jesus so much. Well, you know what? Over here, oh, no, 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 don't worry about that. I love Jesus. No, you don't. You've denied the faith. You're worse than an unbeliever. Whoa, like not, you're not like an unbeliever. You're worse than the unbeliever. <laughs> Ouch. And then, of course, Proverbs, again, Proverbs 12, 11, I love this. I don't just love Proverbs. It's just like, hi, slap. <laughs> Those who work their land will have abundant food, but those who chase fantasies have no sense. (laughs) You know, it's like that person that, man, they know how to be rich. They know every tip in the book. And you're looking at them going, why is it you're always borrowing money from me? Or why is it like, dude, I've seen... I've seen your house. I, I realize that your car just got repoed. Like, I... What... What what in the world, right? But they're oh man, I know how to man. If we just do this right here, bro, man, I just missed that one thing that my timing was just off. I could have been a multimillionaire. Come on, bro. Those who work their land will have abundant food. In other words, you know what? Hard work pays off. 
hard work pays off. Now, does that mean every time you work hard, you're going to have a, a, a no no trouble, straight up blessing? You're going to reap a harvest a million fold. That's not what it's saying. But it is saying that hard work is what pays off in the end. And again, that's not saying you don't you know work hard, get some money, you know, throw some in the stock market when it's when it's a good time to get into it, or real estate or something like that. It's not saying that. It's not saying every dollar that you earn has to be earned by the sweat of your brow. But it is saying, listen, you got to be ready to work. You got to be ready to roll up the sleeves and get it done. You can't just be one of these folks that doesn't really want to do anything. They want to they want to read a book, watch, you know, watch a YouTube video, read a blog and go out there with five bucks in their pocket and zero experience and all of a sudden come out a millionaire in a, in a year. What are you crazy? That's insane. Could that possibly maybe one in a bazillion happen? Sure. But is that what you want to follow? No, you want to follow the thing that works. And that is work. So, second thing here, the Bible teaches using wisdom, wisdom in money. Did you know the Bible actually talks about ways to use money? Yeah, it does. It does. But a lot of people don't realize this, right? We're too busy using the Bible just as, you know, getting super spiritual and one-upping each other with our spiritual insights that sometimes we forget the practical things of life that are right there in the scriptures that actually impact our 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 spirituality, right? It's it's like the person that doesn't want to spend any time working on their marriage. I'm just over here praying, no time to, you know, spend with the with the with the spouse, no time to help with the dishes, no time to you know, talk, chat, go out on a date night, you know, don't pour into their marriage. So they have a really cruddy, horrible phone, uh, I almost said phone life, I don't know why. <laughs> they have a really horrible home life. I think it was family and home mixed together. You have a phone life. Um, they have a horrible marriage. Um, yeah, it doesn't mean they're divorced because they're just not going to do that, right? That's you know, that's not on the table for them, but they have a horrible marriage. And, they're, you know, their kids don't really like them. They're, you know... Um, but man, they can pray, they can see visions, they can expound the mysteries of revelation. You know what? For people like that, I say, shut up. I don't want to hear any revelatory prophetic words that you have till you clean your life up and you get serious about your family. Get serious about the practical things in the scripture and then maybe you might have something worth hearing on the prophetic side. Um, but that's the thing. You know, we sometimes we just don't want to be practical. We don't want to have those practical things because it's a lot easier to talk about some dream you had or, you know, so, oh, I'm feeling this over here to go do this great work over here. And, and you know, I say this all the time. I want to go do this great work in Africa, but you won't cross the street to reach your neighbor. Like, are you are you serious? What? <laughs> I want to I go across the world and evangelize. I'm going to be a worldwide evangelist. I'm going to you know, be a prophet to the nations. You know, but on your job, you haven't, you haven't taught one Bible study. You haven't brought one person to a prayer meeting. You haven't, you know, reached one life here where you're connected, right? But it's that practical versus people just want to throw everything out there in that supernatural. I'm here to tell you the supernatural is practical. And if you're not practical, you're a super moron. You're not supernatural, okay? God is extremely practical when it comes to these matters on the spiritual side. And one way that we can see the fruit and evidence that you are actually practical is when we look at your life. And this is why when you go to the Bible, 
the leaders of a church. The leaders of the church, oh, it's going to step on those, but you know what? The, the leadership of the church, you don't see where the fivefold ministry is specifically called out as the governing body of the church. You find where apostles, you can possibly get the, the apostles there, the apostles and the elders, right? Um, in the book of Acts, for instance, where it talks about, you know, Paul bringing the, the apostles and elders together and things of that nature. But when you really look at the, the oversight of the church and you look at places like Titus and Timothy where Paul is setting up people to, to, to govern within the church, it was elders and deacons. And when he gives what they are supposed to be like, he lists all these practical things. They're, they're good with their family. They're hospitable. They're balanced. They don't have, you know, people of good rapport, right? <laughs> he doesn't talk about how many visions and dreams and miracles and all that stuff because you know what? God can use a donkey to accomplish a miracle if he wants to. He can use a straight-up sinner if he wants to. He'll use a tree. He'll use whatever he wants in a comp because he's the one doing the miracle, not you. You know who the one is that's going to wake up every morning when that alarm hits and get up and work hard? That's not God. You're going to do that, bud. And I think we should watch for people that are doing the part that God expects them to do and not so worried about the people who don't do that, but they want to take credit for all the stuff that God does. Woo, praise God. That's going to preach. So here we go. Wisdom using money. Proverbs 27, 23. Be sure you know the condition of your flocks. Give careful attention to your herds. Now let's translate that into into our our time frame here because a lot of us don't have flocks and herds you know proverbs 27 and 23 be sure to know the condition of your flocks give careful attention to your herds you should monitor what's going in and out of your bank account if you've got a uh, a credit card you should be looking at that thing knowing what's going on okay you should know i'm not saying every single penny necessarily you you know you got to you know, triple check it. You got the, you know, the the two factor authentication with your cell phone. If, if anything more than a penny that goes out, um, you know, maybe. But I'm just saying, not not necessarily that. But you know, you're aware. You know where you're spending your money. You know, a lot of times people go out to eat and they think, ah, oh, I'm not really spending that much on out. And then they go look at their bank statement over three months and go, good night. I'm spending, you know, 40 bucks a week eating out. Maybe not in one shot, but $20 here and then $10 through the week and you know, a couple bucks here and there at Starbucks. 40 bucks a week, it's real easy to come by, real easy to happen, right? Well, $40 a week in a four-week month, four times four is 16. That's $160. You're pushing toward $200 a month just on eating out. Okay, and that's not expensive, right? Forty dollars, like two people can't go to a lot of restaurants and come out under forty dollars. Whoa! But that is what he's saying. Understand, have some insight into what's going on financially with your business, with your job. Take it in your hands. Take it right. Take it by the horns. You know, let like I mean, get that thing right. Don't don't let somebody else. Be the one like, I hope somebody just helps me with my career. Take it in your own hands. Pray about it. Seek God, right? Build yourself. Make yourself available. Make yourself valuable to your employer or if you're a business owner, make yourself awesome to your customers, right? This is what this is saying, okay? Ecclesiastes 11.2, invest in seven ventures. Yes, in eight, you do not know what disaster may come upon the land. You know, there's a fancy word out there, diversification, Okay, I'll bet that scores a lot of points if you're playing Scrabble. 
you guys even know what Scrabble is. Like words with friends, okay? Words with friends. Try it out. I'm I'm here to tell you, man. I'll bet you diversification. You're gonna, you're gonna be smoking with that. But diversification means you don't put all your eggs in one basket, right? Great great grandmama, she knew this. Great granddaddy, he knew it too. Grandpa probably knew it. Probably. Mom and dad, maybe. I don't know. It depends on what generation they're from because some of some of those generations started getting into the spend it now, worry about it later type of mentality. Okay? But d- diversify. Don't put all your eggs in one basket. Don't put all your eggs in one basket is what that's saying. Right? Invest in seven ventures. Spread it out. Why? You don't know what disaster might come. Right? So if you put all your... Your uh, your attention and energy and, and living into the uh, you know the goats over here, and then something comes and wipes out the goats. You're gonna wish you had a harvest of grain, as well. So go with both, right? In fact, go with five or six or seven or eight different different things. So so some wisdom from the Bible on spreading things out, diversifying, right? Proverbs 13, 22, a good person leaves an inheritance for their children's children, but a sinner's wealth is stored up for the righteous. A good person leaves an inheritance for their children's children, right? It's not, it's not the, the kids and the grandkids' responsibility to take care of their parents and their grandparents, and that is not the Bible way. The Bible way is you be smart with your money, and you should be given to your kids, and even your grandkids should be benefiting from your wise decisions, your hard work, your saving, your financial responsibility. That is what the Bible is saying. What does this mean? The Bible clearly teaches thinking into the future, thinking past today. I've heard people use that scripture, take no thought for the morrow. You know, the morrow will take thought for itself. I've heard people use that. That is not saying just be stupid with everything because tomorrow may not be here. That is not what it's saying. It's talking about worry. Worry. Okay? Go read the scripture. Okay? It's talking about worrying, right? Look, we got enough to deal with in this day, today. We don't need to be concerned and worrying, but Planning? Yes, Jesus taught planning. How do I know that? Luke 14, 28 through 30. Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? For if you lay the foundation and are not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule you, saying, this person began to build and wasn't able to finish. And he says what? You need to count the cost of discipleship, right? So what's he saying? He's saying, look, even in the natural, this is the normal way to be. He's not saying, be a, be, a, be a moron, don't even think about it. He's saying, yes, in the natural, this is like a natural, normal, duh thing to do. You're gonna, you want to build a tower? You are going to sit down, you're going to estimate, you're going to plan, you're going to plan out the finances, you're going to plan it all out. You're going to find out if you can actually do it because you don't want to get started and then you can't finish, right? That's Jesus. And he uses that as a, duh, everybody does this. Of course you're going to do this. And then he says, now let's apply that to discipleship. You need to take that same mentality and you need to count the cost to be a disciple. You're not going to talk about it in this one, not in this podcast. We don't have time, but there is a cost to discipleship. Jesus expected there would be a cost. And Jesus expected that people were going to sit down and say, it's too costly. I don't want to be a disciple. All these churches out there just trying to grow membership, that is not counting costs and making disciples. You're just growing members. That's not what God wanted. God wanted people to say, hey, you know what? I am ready to sacrifice. I have counted the cost, and I am ready to be a disciple. So what's the point? The point is Jesus definitely 
was about planning and thinking in the future and counting the cost, okay? <laughs> Proverbs 21.20, the wise store up choice food and olive oil, but fools gulp theirs down. Again, planning, storing it up, planning, saving. The plans of the diligent lead to profit, according to Proverbs 21 and 5, as surely as haste leads to poverty. The plans of the diligent lead to profit, as surely as haste leads to poverty. Once again, don't be so quick. Think about it. Ponder it. Count the cost. and You know, step back. Okay? Now, here's what I want to I wanted to kind of get into here, um, primarily with the whole "let's make this thing rain, baby." Because there's people, you know, getting some some good size checks, some good size deposits in the bank, um, some good size loans, quote unquote loans that are, you know, again, u- using wisdom. My understanding of those is, if you have payroll, right? If you have payroll. And definitely, you know, seek out your 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 tax slash business advisor or banker on this. But if you have payroll, you're going to get this money. You use it for payroll primarily. Then, when it come when the loan comes due, you show that it was used for what what the uh, government's wanting you to use it for, and then you don't have to pay it back. It's like a, it's converted more like a grant than a loan. Okay, but that takes planning. That takes a little bit of wisdom. What am I going to do with this money? Am I going to go out and buy that brand new truck for my business that I wanted with this money? You know what? You need to look at it because you might have to pay that back and you may not have the money at the time and then you're going to be crying. Okay? Don't cry. Be smart today. <laughs> right? Um, but uh, when it comes to the, the money coming in, right? Let's, let's take the personal money, right? You got a family of four. I, I think it was, I can't really remember. It was like $1,200 for each adult and like $500 per child or something like that. So let's just presume you're not going to have any of that, you know, taken away because you made too much money or anything like that. It's, you know, you're a couple of adults, 2400 bucks and two kids, another $1,000, right? 3400 bucks into your bank account. What are you going to do with that money? Are you going to go out and spend that money at, you know, Best Buy. Going to hit up Lowe's. Hit the shopping mall. I mean, a lot of this stuff, you know, some of this stuff is closed and you're not going to get in there. Um, but you can buy online. <laughs> right? It might take four weeks to get there. But, you know, is that big screen? Is that, you know, again, this is where that wisdom needs to come in. Now, if you, you know, you already had 20 grand sitting in the bank and you get this, you get $3,000. Like, hey, man, I'm going to use that for that home project. I mean, go for it, right? But if you're like, ah, oh, you know, I'm kind of living hand to mouth and wisdom will say, hold on to some of this money, bud. You know, honey, don't be trying to talk your your hubby into spending all this money on that brand new, right, fill in the blank right here, whatever the brand new thing is that you want. Because what if, what if, what if, maybe you're not right now today, but what if in a month you end up where it's tough to pay your rent, tough to pay your mortgage, hard to get, you know, hard to get that car payment out the door and you're sitting there with a brand new nice piece of furniture but all you're going to do is sit over there and hold each other and cry because you don't have the cash to make your rent payment so i highly advise everyone this money coming in set it aside can't you i mean what can't wait a couple of months 
come on, what are you going to be doing that really, I mean, that house project, that, that new down payment on a car, you know, that, I mean, whatever it might be, can it really, really, can it really not wait just a couple of months, let some of this stuff blow over, let the economy, let what's going to happen with the economy, let's see, you know, as we start to get back to work or back to, you know, some semblance of normal, what, what, let's see what happens, let's see what it looks like before we go drop that couple thousand bucks. You know, is, is it really that big of a deal? Or are we so consumer-oriented that we, we can't do that? We just we got money in the bank. It's burning, it burned a hole in our pocket before it even got in our pocket, man. While it was digitally on its way to our bank account, it was already burning a hole in our pocket. Now, two people that are real big in the, in the finance world, people that you've probably heard their names, Clark Howard, Dave Ramsey. Okay, Clark Howard. And Dave Ramsey, both of them talk about the need to be prepared and the need to have an emergency fund. Now, the the fully funded emergency fund, um, I think both of these, um, you can go to Clark.com and, and look this out, look this up, or DaveRamsey.com and look this up. But both of them look at a a fully funded emergency fund at kind of three to six months of expenses. In other words, you should have a fund somewhere, a fund somewhere a savings account, something that you're not touching, something that you're not looking at constantly, just salivating over, wishing you can get to that money and use it for something. But where if you were out of work and you had zero income for six months, you could pay all your bills and be fine. That is what they recommend. And, and other financial planners and stuff do this too. Three to six months, okay? Now, um, I'm specifically going to focus on the Dave Ramsey plan. I love the Dave Ramsey plan. Our church has done some of this stuff. We're, we're, um, we are, we've gone through the, you know, the total money makeover and some of the DVDs and things like that. He has a lot of great stuff. Doesn't mean Dave Ramsey knows everything. Doesn't mean Clark Howard knows everything, but guess what? They don't have to know everything to know a lot of stuff that you and I can benefit from. So here's the deal. Why not set that 3000 bucks, that 2000 bucks, that 5,000, but whatever you're getting, just set it aside and make sure you have three to six months. Check out your bills. What's your mortgage? What's your car payment? How much is it for groceries? What does it take for you to live for a month? Add it all up. Throw everything in there. Utilities. Throw it all in there. Cell phone bill, right? Put everything in there. What does it take for you to live as you are right now for a month? Okay. And then say, oh, you know, let's say it's uh, let's say it's four thousand dollars for a month. It costs four thousand dollars. We got you know a couple of car payments. We got the the mortgage payment. We got you know one hundred fifty bucks a week in groceries. Let's just say it's four thousand dollars. Okay, four times three is twelve. Three months would be twelve thousand dollars. Six months would be twenty four thousand dollars that you should have in an account that you do not touch, save for an emergency. Now I know Clark Howard talks a little bit about the difference between like a rainy day fund versus an emergency fund. The emergency fund is like the untouchable. The rainy day is like, yeah, you got some money set over there, but you, you know, maybe you don't use it solely for an absolute dire emergency. And what is an emergency? An emergency, I love the way uh, Dave Ramsey kind of spells this out. I found this on one of their blog posts. Three criteria, unexpected, necessary, and urgent, right? Unexpected, necessary, urgent. Okay, tires are not, it's not unexpected that you're going to have to replace your tires. So we should save, right? Oh, we, oh those are going to last me for, you know, two years? 
based on the mileage and stuff that I drive. Great. Let's let's buy them. Let's save up over those two years and make sure we tuck away a little bit of money just for the new the tires I'm going to have to buy in two years. Unexpected is you're driving along and kaboom, you accidentally drove over something and three of your tires are out. Okay. Was that unexpected? Yes, you were not planning to drive through that construction zone and three tires get blown out. That's unexpected. Is it necessary? Well, if you need your car, it's necessary. Is it urgent? Chances are, if you have zero transportation, it's kind of urgent. So you have to dip into that emergency fund to replace those three tires that blew out, not the three tires that got old over three years and you didn't think about it, right? right? Something happening with the engine of your car just exploded out of nowhere. You were doing regular maintenance. <clears throat> you were doing all these things that you should be doing, and it just came out of nowhere, okay? The the per, the mechanic saying, hey, in about six months, it looks like your transmission is going to go. That is not unexpected, right? He gave you six months of warning. Let's be saving for that. So unexpected, necessary, and urgent that's when you dip into that three to six months of expenses. So I would highly recommend folks doing the day, if you want to do the Dave Ramsey plan, he says, get $1,000 in the bank as a, as a kind of cushion emergency fund, just a first step emergency fund. And then later on through the plan, you come back and you fund it three to six months, but at least $1,000, at least, because most one-time things can be covered with $1,000. I'm saying for this money, this was money that you weren't expecting. It was just straight up profit, straight up windfall. I say, take that money, put it in an account and be wise with that money. Be wise with it. And guess what? In a couple of months, everything's fine. You got 4,000 bucks to spend, bro. Go for it, you know? But let's be wise. Let's not, you know, the whole thing with like Joseph in the Old Testament where, you know, he stored up for seven years of plenty because then there was seven years of famine. It's not God's fault when he gave the seven years of plenty. Then there's seven years of famine. We spent it all and wasted it all in the seven years of plenty. Now famine hits. Now we're crying to God and asking him, oh God, what do we do? And he said, what do you do? I gave you seven years to prepare for this. What what have you been doing? That's the thing is by the Bible teaches that we should be wise with our money. Now, just a note on financial freedom. The Bible says in Proverbs 22, 7, the rich rule over the poor and the borrower is slave to the lender. The borrower is a slave to the lender, okay? And it speaks in Proverbs 6, 1 through 5, you can go read it, that if you have debt, right, it calls it security, right? If, you've, if you're, you're on the hook, you've, you know, had a pledge, you, you need to run. You need to go to the point of exhaustion, Give no rest, right? Allow no sleep to your eyes, verse 4 says. No slumber to your eyelids. Free yourself like a gazelle from the hand of the hunter, okay? Like a gazelle. I mean, get out of there. The Bible doesn't teach that debt is necessarily sin, but it does teach it's not the best idea. And so we should be financially free in our money as much as possible. And of course, we'll, we can we can always dive into more of the Dave Ramsey plan and stuff like that. I think we've, we've considered over the next couple of months actually doing that again for the church um, and those who don't are not part of bread breakers or part of the church that would like to join up. We could certainly, uh, we could certainly include you as well, because we don't just care only about the people that are in this local fellowship. We love everybody and want people to 
live their best life in Jesus Christ. So I hope this has helped you. I hope this has been an encouragement to you to be wise with the money that God is preparing and giving. Um, I am thankful for you know the, the, you know what they are trying to do and what they're giving, what they're doing for people. So let's be wise with that money. Let's not run out there and just spend every dime of it, and then, you know, in two months when we can't pay our rent, come running and crying, and oh no, what happened? Well, you should have been wise. So, hey, you know what? It's raining cash now. I was totally going to do that theme song with, remember Ted DiBiase way back in the day with (laughs) WWF? Money, 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 money. And he had that awesome laugh. like, (laughs) ha, 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 ha. Anyway, I was scared about, um, <laughs> I was totally, I was like, oh, I don't know about copyright infringement and all that, how that works with a podcast. So I decided I'll just do that right there. Okay. You can go look it up. WWF Ted DiBiase intro music. Totally awesome from way back in like the eighties. Anyway, listen, the money's coming in. Please be wise with it. The scriptures clearly show there is a lot, a lot a lot of wisdom to be had when it comes to money. So let's start. Let's be wise. Let's be wise with our money. Let's be good stewards of what we have. I love you guys. God bless you. I hope this podcast has helped you and we'll catch you on the next one in Jesus name.